0: with a name for the the intro song yet? Hanson's Boogie? Spartacus. Uh, I am just Spartacus. I always forget that. (laughs) That, of course, the sweet sounds of Spartacus. The intro to the Looking Through the Glass Onion, composed, written, conceived. (laughs) Conceived in a dark basement somewhere in Omaha. (laughs) This is Looking Through the Glass Onion. Jay Hanson. Good to be with you, buddy.
1: Hello, Billy. How are you?
0: I'm great. Today's Good. song is an album title. Yes. It's a movie title. Yes. It's a song title. It's a number one hit. We have live versions of it, several live versions. We have a killer video of this song. We have mono versions of this song. We have stereo versions. We have single versions that have parts of the movie attached to it. We may have the best Beatles song as well. Oh. The one we're talking about today. So let's uh, put a little history behind this song. I won't even tell people because they've already seen what we're talking about as they, <laughs> as they read the intro to it. But <laughs> interesting time for the Beatles, uh, 1965, the height of Beatlemania. Beatlemania is at its peak at this point. They released Beatles for Sale. Um, Beatles for Sale is a great record. They recorded it kind of in between touring. A lot of covers on that, but some of the best Beatle vocals. Eight Days a Week, which is a song we covered on this podcast, is off that record. Mm -hmm. Great song. After this record and song we're talking about, Rubber Soul comes about. So the bridge between Beatles for Sale, which is kind of mop-top Beatles still, and Rubber Soul, which is still mop-top Beatles, but very exploratory Beatles. We have the album Help. Uh, So in 65, the Beatles were uh, at the height of their popularity. John says, I was fat and depressed, and I was crying out for help. He calls this his fat Elvis period. Yeah. Um, And later on in the 70s, as he got a little therapy, John would talk about his depression. He had a rough childhood, a traumatic childhood. If you don't know uh, the background of John's life, you should check that out. Uh, It really helps you understand his music a bit deeper. But he had a very traumatic childhood, and – it talks about depression in his life coming about at certain times. Uh, I think we see that in probably 1970 when he does plastic ono bands. Uh, maybe in the late 70s when he retires from music, we have another depressive John. But in 1965, we have a depressive John, but they're at the height of Beatomania. So that's you have this like protective shell as he's like discovering that his life maybe wasn't as great as everybody thought. He writes this song because they're shooting their second movie, Help. And uh, they don't have a title for it. It's called Eight Arms to Hold You. People are suggesting, oh, we should have this title, this title. Uh, and the Beatles are, again, at the height of their power. And they're like, yeah, we want to film this movie. We want to go, let's see, we want to go to the Bahamas. We want to go skiing. We want to <laughs> yeah. do all this. It's the best. <laughs> and they're stoned the entire time. If you're watching this movie, the Beatles are baked. Yeah. The entire movie. And they're <laughs> giggling their way through it, taking nothing seriously. But... There's a gathering of kind of the the heads of the movie at one time. And it, so you have Paul McCartney, Dick Lester, who has directed both A Hard Day's Night and Help. You have Victor Spinetti, who's a star of both A Hard Day's Night. And Help, Victor Spinetti is my favorite. Have huh? oh. had a Luga? Uh, huh? I had Luga? That's the so best great. Part. He's also so great in A Hard Day's Night when he's like, man, <laughs> These are my microphones, and no one will touch them. He's the best. Anyway, they're sitting around, and one of them suggests that Help should be the title. John takes this, runs home, and writes this, which he doesn't maybe realize at the time, this very deep and self-reflective sad song called Help. Yeah. Uh, Just a brilliant song. Uh, Let's talk about your opening thoughts about Help.
1: Oh my god! You gosh, have any initial
0: yeah. thoughts on this song? First time you heard it? It's, first time it meant something to you?
1: It's so great. It, it always makes me think of, and I think I've talked about this before. My sister had the Red album, and on on the beginning of side three, it starts out with a James Bond, you know, so cool. And then it's Help, and and then I remember I remember seeing the movie in eighth grade and just walking around my house with a british accent very poorly done i'm sure at that point um driving my brother crazy so yeah this is uh, love the song
0: it's so good my initial thoughts of course of the movie i i always like to because it was hard to get your hands on the movie especially when you were a poor kid in the 80s so i i got some dubbed version from somebody or recorded it off the tv and probably watched it a thousand times know every line but this song just the way that it shoots out of the gate when you see the Beatles there and they're throwing the darts. It's just very cool, good song. Man, all right, recording it. There's a thousand different versions of this song, it seems like. Yeah. They've recorded most of the record at this point. So on this record, by the way, Help is one of the best Beatle records. When you think of the songs that are on there, Yesterday is on the Help album, not the soundtrack, but the album, Another Girl, Ticket to Ride, just these monster hits for the Beatles. But they record this song uh, in 65. You got John on a 12 string, which I learned. The 12 string is kind of the most important part of the song. And I never really thought of it that way. As I'm trying to listen to the recording of it, tell me how they recorded that 12. Is that just set up? They obviously didn't direct plug it in. When they're recording this live, is John just the close mic this 12? It's such an important driving part of the song.
1: Yeah, I they overdubbed the vocal, so so they. Did, this was one of the first songs I think they recorded without doing the vocals live. Right. You know, right. and so um, yeah, I don't know how they recorded it, but he would have done it. I mean, they were all tracking at the same time because there's yeah. there's a lot of bootlegs out there. I was re- I was reading through some of them, you know, and they're talking about how George was having trouble playing that descending right. line, which I get that. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah but yeah they it's it's a it's a hoot nanny 12 string which is uh uh yeah i mean it's funny cuz the beatles never had like sweet guitars until right. you know they got into the les pauls and stuff but like the casino which is an iconic beatle guitar not top of the line by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, there's a Gibson 330, which is the exact same guitar, which is always made better than an Epiphone. Uh, frame, Framus, not a hugely well-known, you know, iconic guitar maker, but, you know, that's what they had.
0: Is it the same one they play? Because I, I'm, it's weird. When in any of the videos you see, any of the movie, John's always playing his little his little Rickenbacker Miami's all, you, so and I don't know why, I just always assume that's what he was playing. I know that obviously wasn't what it was. And you see him playing the acoustic and help, maybe in the opening parties.
1: He's playing he's playing that that uh 12 string on the uh you've got to hide your love away in that's, that scene. That's what
0: I was gonna ask yeah. you. Is that the same one? Yeah, it because you can hear it. It is kind yeah. of the, it's like, oh, it sounds the same. And I'd never heard that before. So such an important part of this song. Totally. Uh, it's yeah. when you put headphones on and listen to like the, the most recent version of it, that acoustic guitar is just help me if you can. I'm f-. it is so uh, Paul on bass, obviously playing the Hoffner. Yeah. Great little part. When they do it live, he plays the descending line with George. He does the he doesn't do that in the recording. Check it out in the live recordings, though. It's very cool. It obviously, is cool. the Hoffner. Uh, the drums. This is the first track. The first track on Help, and you just hear that snare. That again, you put that twelve string and that those drums together. Ringo playing, obviously, to John. Uh, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Wow. That seven. That seven hit into the refrain. So cool, or whatever that is.
0: God. And yeah. And the snare sounds really punchy oh on this song god. oh my god <laughs> right so it's cool. like yeah <clears throat> <laughs> damn Ringo all right yeah let's talk George because he struggled with this descending line which I still can't play when I was a little kid you'd see it in the book like when we got the Beatle bible for the first time you see it written out yeah you know seven five open open seven you know still can't play that oh it's what a the hell is he doing there
1: yeah, it's it's, it's very Shed Atkins. Um, I read something, and I, I I can't find any isolations on this, but I read that, that you know, he had to go back and, and overdub this, and they, they right. talked about slowing the tape down initially like they did for Hard Day's Night in Misery because he was having so many problems with it. But he got it, of course, and yeah. but there's... There's a there's a thought that maybe John or Paul also doubled him, on that line, which I'd never I'd never yeah. heard before, um, but that's yeah that, I mean it it would be Paul because I don't that's probably beyond John's, you know John's a banger he's not yeah a, he's you not, hear it on
0: this song I y- mean it's yeah. John yeah he is a, one of the greatest rhythm guitarists in rock history very Buddy Holly esque on this song just giving an... Mm. But George, what's he playing on that? Got to be playing the Gretsch, I'm assuming. I think he's
1: playing the Gretsch Tennessean is what. Yeah, Gretsch
0: Tennessean. Thank you. Why are there like 15 versions of this song recorded? I mean, we've got a mono, a stereo where the versions are different. There's a different John vocal on one of the singles, and you really hear it. the, just the way he sings it, the melody. Like, Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. He's way more whiny on like the single version. Why? Tell me. Why do we have like 15 different versions of this song? It's
1: it's it's a great mystery. But but they so they actually they did the the full recording in one day at Abbey Road, and then in April, like it was April 14th,
0: 13th, 14th. I think that's I think? what our
1: book says. 13th, yep. yeah. Um, and then they went to another studio called CTS, which was a-
0: For the movie, right? Like a movie overdub place. Totally,
1: yeah. yeah. And there's a shot of, of George Martin, George Harrison, Paul, John. John's at one microphone singing into, and he's holding the lyrics to help. Wow. And, and, and George and George and Paul are around the other microphone. And so they re-record them there. And then, then
0: it's right, and from what I from what I understand, that's the version that you hear in the movie.
1: That's the version you hear in they, the movie, and that's the which m- was
0: only on VHS, correct? And and I don't think it's made it. I don't think it survives anymore. I think it was just on VHS that it was released. If, if I'm reading correctly, it's, but it's like,
1: what? what the,
0: I c- sorry, yeah, c- interrupt yeah, no, crazy. I couldn't.
1: I couldn't keep it straight either. So I don't know yeah. what I don't know what we hear today, except that they decided once. Once they recorded that, then they edited the original vocal back on from Abbey Road because, like, George Martin hits a weird note in the in the intro. And so the intro was always the Abbey Road version. And then, yeah, it's crazy.
0: So there are. You can go out on YouTube on... On your Apple Music or Spotify and find that there are so many different versions of the song. And when you listen, you definitely hear a different John vocal. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Throughout. Not that it makes it better or worse. One is just a little more pleading for help, if you will. Right. Uh, Good. All right. So this is the first time that we have a reduction mix on a Beatles track, from what I understand. So yeah talk talk to me through that what that means, because they, they that means a lot which is on the uh, anthology um mm-hmm. uh, says that you evidently this is the first time the beatles ever tried to use the reduction mix and help is the first time that we hear it released so explain to me and and our listeners out there what we got happening with
1: Yeah that. I had to take a picture of this cuz I was like I'll, I'll never remember this so yeah. so uh you know not to get Go down the rabbit hole of nerdery. but go down, Jay. Go down the rabbit hole. (laughs) So at that that point, uh, they were recording on a four-track tape machine, which means you could record four tracks simultaneously. And so they had drums and bass on one track. They had acoustic and electric guitars on a track. They had John's lead and the backing vocals on a track. And then they double-tracked the lead vocals and the backing vocals and added... um, Ringo's tambourine, which also yeah. is in and out of the mono Correct. version. Correct. Yeah.
0: Sometimes we some, Sometimes <laughs> one thing that I read was that was the reason they replaced one of the vocals because they hated the tambourine part so much. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And don't I, know if there's any truth to that I read that somewhere <laughs> <yeah>. in there. <laughs> this is so a lot fun. of info about help out there, everybody. <laughs> Sorry. I dig. Okay. So we we got four tracks. So we got
1: those four tracks. Yeah. That, so we. Set up another, another tape machine, send it into track one is still drums and bass. Track two is still acoustic and electric guitars. Track three combines tracks three and four of the original tape. So the lead vocal, backing vocal, and tambourine are all mixed together onto track three, which opens up track four for George's overdub.
0: George's sweet little guitar line. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean and that was used I remember even into the 90s like going over to a friend's house my friend Marv <laughs> and he had like one of those tape decks that would have like four tracks and you would even do reduction mixes on that if you wanted to do eight so I mean this is technology that they used in 65 for the first time but we were still using way into the 90s and I'm sure people done still it. utilize the, yeah, it you've done, it done that bunch. I'm sure yeah, yeah. Jack cool, White
1: cool. Jack White even does it in pro tools like he'll force himself to do that
0: To do that, to make it that sound. So, better on tape, I think, you know. Okay, big question time, Jay. Okay. I have two questions for you. 1965, again, a huge year. I mentioned earlier, it's the height of Beatlemania. They had six number one hits in a row. Okay. They released I Feel Fine, Eight Days a Week, Ticket to Ride, Help, Yesterday, We Can Work It Out. Are these the best six songs ever released by a group in a period of time? (laughs) I mean, holy shit. I Feel Fine would be 30 groups best song. Eight Days a Week would be the same, right? Ticket to Ride, of course. Help would be the best song for a lot of groups, right? Yesterday, we can work it out. I mean, that's insane.
1: That is insane.
0: I never never
1: think about it. In 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 terms of years, I always think about them in terms of albums with the associated single. So that's that's an Crazy. interesting way to think and about one, it.
0: And one, yeah, and those songs were all on the charts at the same time. So I mean, it, it is there. That's an insane. The Jackson Five might have tried to do that. A boy band might have tried it, but six straight huge hits like that, and that of course isn't all they had. Right. right. I mean, you're yeah. only talking about a short segment of their career, 1965, which isn't even really considered their peak, you know, intellectual period or creative. It's insane what they were doing.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: These yeah. guys had no time off and were, were doing this. Okay. Yeah. Question number two, Jay. Okay. I mean, that was more of a rhetorical question because holy <laughs> shit, those six songs insane. <laughs> <laughs> one one thing you always hear I mean, as Beatles fans, we always hear this, right? When you're talking about how great McCartney and Lennon were as songwriters. Mm-hmm. And the song they always use as the example is getting better, right? You know the story I'm talking about. Paul wrote the line, it's getting better all the time. John writes, can't get no worse, period, end of sentence. That's the greatest collaboration of them. And I'm, I'm gonna put forth that this is way better, Jay. This is a way better collaboration between John and Paul. If you listen to the just John's vocal, it's like one line. Mm-hmm. Right, He's just singing essentially a couple of notes in there. Uh, when, I, when I was younger, so much younger than today, I never needed anybody's help in any way. When you think of that, I mean, it's very like every Nirvana song. It's uh, very
1: flat line. Very melody. flat
0: one line, right? I mean, yeah. but it's so effective because of what he's talking about, the things that he's singing about. Paul's contribution to this song, You know what, Jay? I'm grabbing my guitar here. Hold on a second. You you hang on there for a second. I mean, sorry. I had to make a walk there. Paul's contribution to this song is the counter melody. Yeah. Right? So you got... Yeah. When I was young, so much younger than today. You got all that and you got... "When, When I was young. I never need, right? And he's so like positive about it. I never need. When you put those harmonies and all that stuff on there, it makes it a pop song. It makes it feel like when you hear it, you don't think of it as a sad song. Right. Like you hear that lat, won't you please, please help me? That's what John's singing, right? But when you put the Paul and George on there, they make it like this fancy, major, sweet chord that kind of brightens it up, but it is not a happy song in any way. No. I mean, it's like one of John's deepest, saddest songs, but Paul's like, hey, all we're going to do is take the musical part of it and make that poppy and happy, and you have, well, I will talk about it later, probably the best Beatles song. I think this is, what a collaboration between, I'm calling this the best collaboration between McCartney and Lennon.
1: I'd never thought about it, because I've always thought I, of this as a John song, and, right. and, I, and I really had f- forgotten. I, I don't think I knew how they came up, that Paul pretty much came up with that, with that counterpoint that is, it is, it's the coolest of, of that sort of Greek it's chorus, so, maybe, I don't yeah. know. You know, it's the coolest thing of, uh, yeah, it's so cool.
0: The song doesn't work without it, oh, it right? No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It, it's got to. It's got to have those. And they sound so great singing it together. You know, the, the cool thing about the Beatles, they're like brothers. You know, they could all sing together and sound like one voice. And in this song, it's like oh, you, you have John crying for help, but you've got George and Paul coming in and going, ah, "Everything's gonna be okay." I fucking <laughs> love that part of this song. You only get those takes here on looking through the glass onion, Jay Hansen) <clears throat> Rolling Stone uh, ranked this song pretty high. Uh, they ranked it number 15. Uh, it is number 16, as I saw her standing there, number 14, as She Loves You. So Rolling Stone gives it love, I probably would put it way higher, but that's just me. Let's take a deep dive. Jay, what did you find on your deep dive? Uh, you have your pen in your hand, so I, I'm assuming you found some stuff.
1: Um, oh, I was reminded when we were talking earlier about what the song reminds me of. Um, I, I really wanted a bed in the floor. When I was young.
0: Oh. The I bed still in do. The floor.
1: I still do. I want my bed in the floor.
0: Yeah. And I want an organ that comes out too and I can just be <laughs> <That's yeah. right. laughs> Paul, what are you doing on the floor? <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> Love it. Um
1: Uses the words confidence, insecure, and self-assured. John was getting crap from Maureen Cleave. Do we know who Maureen Cleave is?
0: Yes, I'm I'm checking that off my deep dive. For those that don't know, Maureen Cleave is the uh, the journalist who quoted John as saying the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. Yeah. Which- yeah, they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know any other way to tell you than they were, and that's all he was saying. But yeah. of course, yeah, she wasn't impressed with uh his writing prior to that because he only used one one syllable, syllable words. Word. <laughs> yeah, and so. even after he adds all these in, she's like, eh, still not impressed.
1: <laughs> cool,
0: <laughs> not only that, I'm gonna ruin your career in America for three years. Isn't yeah, that gonna be great? <laughs> Right, uh, yeah, so I thought, was, <laughs> I thought that was,
1: thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, we mentioned already one of the first, besides that means a lot. One of the first tape to tape reductions they did. Um, I think. Uh, yeah, that's all the. There's I not a fun. ton of nerdery about this.
0: Started out as a s- mid
1: tempo song.
0: Yeah, that's much like was, John. Please, please me. Yeah, he didn't like the recording of this song. He did uh, He thought it was way too fast and way too commercial. Uh, and one thing that I know, I, I think this was the dark period of yesterday and today when you, I'll, we'll talk about more playing it live, but there was a, a time that we were in Alabama, in Huntsville. Mm-hmm. Were you with us on I that was, trip?
1: I've never been to Huntsville.
0: It was, it was the dark period of yesterday and today. You weren't with us. And we, uh, we went and played in this cool theater down in Huntsville. And the guy that ran the theater was a huge Paul McCartney fan. He like met him. You know, nice. he had had the yeah, he paid the money to go backstage to meet him, and uh, he invited May Pang to our show. Now, for people that don't know who May Pang is, May Pang was Yoko's assistant that she sent out with John during his lost weekend. So she was kind of John's uh, lover is is an appropriate word. Spent two years with him. Uh, So we got to meet May Pang. She came to our show. So cool. Your friend Cynthia, who was a stunt person in uh, Hollywood. Cool people. And she made a request that I'll never forget when you see May Pang come out. I mean, I've been a Beatle freak my whole life. And I didn't know she was there before the show. And I was like, holy shit, May Pang made a request. And she requested help and said that this was John's favorite song and the one that he really wanted to re-record. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. So that's a little insider info that we found out. I talked to her about it. She just felt like he loved this song in Strawberry Fields. Those were his two favorite Beatles songs. Yeah. Because he was really revealing himself, which in John Solo stuff, uh, if you listen to the Plastic Ono band, that's his most raw song. Help could fit on there. Strawberry Fields for sure could fit on there in their totally. original forms. Thought that was a cool pit of the deep dive. Yeah. Uh, he also, I wanna hold your hand, was another favorite. We talked about that of his. Yeah. There is a little discrepancy about whether this was written before the movie, during the movie, after the movie. There's different stories that have been told. The one that I mentioned at the beginning is considered to be the true one though, that during the movie they needed a title and came up with that. Right. There's a killer video of this song. Really? It's out there. Yeah, it was shot in a in the like a TV studio and they're sitting on a workbench, John's in the front with his uh, Rickenbacker Miami, Paul's behind him on the bass, and then George, and then Ringo's just sitting in the back holding an umbrella, and they bounce, help me if you can, um, they kinda bounce, so check that out.
1: I have seen that, yeah, that's cool. The,
0: the coolest looking Beatles at that point. <laughs> yeah. He may say Fat Elvis, but damn, they looked
1: dope at that yeah. point. He's got the kick ass, just, kick ass. guitar <sighs> strap.
0: Badass no, little spiky guitar strap, yeah. and his hair is long. Uh again, and the versions. I just there's so many versions, Jay. There's the album version, and the album has been released in mono and stereo. There's the movie soundtrack version, which has been released in mono and stereo. There's the 45 single version that we talked about. There's the film version that has the James Bond intro on it. There are all the new mixes that have come out. It's on Love, it's on the Help DVD, it's on the remasters, it's on the eight days a week. Uh, companion thing that they did the movie that Ron Howard did there's a live version at the Hollywood Bowl so much stuff out there so if you love this song it's out there let's talk about playing it live i can think of well i'll think of my moment see what your favorite moment of playing it live or uh thoughts playing it live
1: oh i i, I mean, mean i i love playing it it's 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 tricky that little guitar line you is you nail
0: that part tricky. every time i've never uh, heard you miss that part
1: it's it's tricky um but i i yeah it's so much fun to play and uh um yeah i I'm a i I love it when this one's in the set
0: it's at which it surprised me that it's not often requested. It's not a hugely requested song, which always shocks me it, yeah,
1: yeah i I yeah, I agree. It feels you know, like it's, it's almost one. one of those that, that would be in every show, you know, but yeah, yeah, there's so is, many great ones I get it. There's so
0: many great ones. my let's see I always hear my brother Ryan singing this one. I think he tears that up you know. He's peen boy. Yeah, but my favorite memory is this is a song that when you play it live, you gotta have a little gusto behind it, right? You want to play it with a little tempo. <laughs> oh, I'd forgotten about this. <laughs> you forgot about that, and we. <laughs> I don't know if he listens to this show or not, but <laughs> the, the music director of the show at the time was like he told the drummer to play it at album tempo without telling me, and the entire time I'm like, help. need somebody and i'm looking at the drummer like come on pick it up pick it up and he's like he wouldn't even make eye contact with me (laughs) boy we had a little row after that that's my memory of it that it was in south bend indiana Uh, (laughs) all right (laughs) ah south bend jay it's my favorite part of our program and that's when we rate these songs give it our glass onion rating yeah this is this is a good one this has been a fun episode I know people love this song and have their own thoughts, but how, how would you rate this song?
1: I mean, it's oh, it's. Uh, I had not considered the collaboration aspect before because I I had always thought of this as a as a John song, and so yeah. you you have elevated my glass onion a little bit. Um, so I'm going to go nine you, four.
0: Nine four, very very. That's low to me. Okay, I'm giving out a ten. It, it feels on
1: help a, a ten.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm going to go solid ten on help. Love the lyrics. The lyrics, if John was conscious that writing them or subconsciously writing them, the honesty in these lyrics are, you know, as somebody that suffers with depression every now and then, when you listen to this song, you hear what he's screaming for. And But there's Paul and George, right? Just coming through like, we got you. You got that counter melody stuff, great Beatle ending, great guitar stuff. This one is just where it's at for me. This has moved up, again, I probably before studying on this one, seven, five, seven, six, But I love this one. Yeah. Solid 10.
1: It's like Solid a call 10. to Yoko. Big time. Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah.
0: That's it, what he was searching for.
1: Yeah. Yoko Yoko was his help. And that's... And
0: thank... ah, oh, You know what? I'm all <laughs> shook up on my... <laughs> Help me if you can. I'm feeling down. But I do appreciate you. Appreciate you being round. Help me get my feet back on the ground. Won't you please, please help me. Help me, help me. And bow. I'm Billy McGuigan with Jay Hansen. This has been a real treat, Jay. Uh, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Uh, we've got, you can subscribe, you can like. I don't know the things that you can do. My favorite thing to do is still slow it down or listen to us fast. You can do that on Spotify. All of our episodes are up on Apple Music, Spotify, and on my website, billymcguigan.com. Oh, and you
1: build a playlist, too. That's so cool, man.
0: You know what? I forgot to mention that. There is an essential playlist on Spotify that that Jay and I came up with. I was going to say that Billy and and I came up with, but no, I'm Billy, and that's Jay. (laughs) That Jay and I came up with. Uh, we put our favorite songs from this podcast in there, but we also put some of our personal favorites in there. Like I put my the Octopus's Garden from Love in there, as we talked about last week. You got to hear Ringo's great vocals. But man, if you want to hear vocals on this one, John Lennon's best Beatle vocal to me. Mm, it's so good. Somebody top it. What do you got? What's better? I don't know. Next week, we're going to get together to do one, Jay. Do you have anything off the top of your head? preparation.
1: I don't have anything off the top of my head. I will come up with so, something, though.
0: Yeah, next week we'll surprise you. We can't wait. Uh, I'm Billy McGuigan with Jay Hansen. And once again, friends, we've been looking through the glass onion. We'll see you next time.